Now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com. It's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, and this is Prescription for Your Transformation. Real people, real conversations, and real success. And today is no different than any of the other days. We've just found a new uh, tech hack, or we hacked it in a different way than I've ever done before, and that's just awesome. So I think, you know, when it, the day that happens that everything goes smoothly, I'm going to wonder, maybe something's wrong. So anyhow, we had a great start last week um, about uh, our spirit, our connection with spirit. And uh, I was delighted to be able to talk to our producer, Robin, and anybody who wants to have that connection with spirit. And Olivia, I know you also entertain that all the time. Um, that was a great show. And, and Robin is coming out with a new book. Uh, was it uh, Soul Stirrings? Is that what it was? Yeah, Soul Stirrings. Oh, soul Stirrings. So maybe we'll get back to it a little bit. Anyhow, as we get ready, or as we've already started the new decade, and so many people are already putting out that manifestation, that intention of what this decade is all going to be about. In fact, I just was watching one of these uh, tech um, uh, sites and saying that uh, robots is going to be, you know, the decade of the 20s, the 2020s. Some people are saying that the, the 1920s is going to be re relived in the 2020s. So whatever that is for you, there's so many different approaches to get to that place where you can actually manifest that life. And part of that really has to do with um, you understanding who you are as a person, what is it that you want, why is that you, why you want it, and then getting into action. And it takes a lot of work. It just, it's just not going to happen for you. And so as a coach, I typically help my clients figure out, okay, what is that year going to be all about? Or what's that decade going to be all about? But there's a wonderful and beautiful element that we're going to be approaching or talking about today because all this stuff about getting ready and, and manifesting it um, with the things that you're going to do, the practical psychology, we already talked about that last year. And we did that in advance to the new year so you wouldn't just rely on some flimsy resolutions to make stuff happen and, and hoping that it's going to happen. But there's another element, and I'm super excited to be talking to Olivia Audrey today because she lives in this realm of energy. And for somebody that is, you know, esoteric, that's metaphysical, it's like woo-woo, whatever, but when you think about it, it's real because we are energy beings. We just don't understand how to connect with it except for people like Olivia and Robin too, by the way. And so today... It's about the energetic manifestation of our, of our desires, if you will, of our intention, of our dreams, of our goals. And so want to ask Olivia, you know, where do we start with engaging this energy that's all around us and within us so that we can truly manifest what's really important for us and then have an impact for the world around us? Well, perfect. I'm so happy to be back with you, Bart. And Robin, I can't wait to read uh, your book. It sounds phenomenal. I'm so excited to talk about this subject because 
I think for me and in my work as well, um, whether it's coaching someone or doing a speaking engagement and, um, and educating, I think what we think we know about manifesting is really 3D. It's really outdated. It's really archaic. And I that many of us think that if we create a vision board, which is all well and good, or if we write it down, then that's the first and the only step that we need to take into manifestation. But, you know, there's an interface that occurs between what we want and accepting that into our life. And that interface is entirely under our control. And there's one secret is that we kind of have to live it. Now, we've all heard fake it till you make it. This is much different because faking it until you make it, whether that be a job or a relationship, means you don't really believe it. It means that you are trying to convince yourself. Now, I'm going to tell you one secret that I use that has completely revolutionized my life and helped lives of a lot of other people is that if you can find one aspect, one grain of what you want, say, for example, that you want an ideal relationship. Well, you have to identify what is it about that ideal relationship that you really want. It's very similar to deciding what you're going to eat at a restaurant from a menu. So if you say, I want the spaghetti. And I feel like I use a lot of pasta references with you, Bart. So I don't know if this is, you know, carb cravings that you would sell upon me. <laughs> but that's okay. So what is it about the spaghetti that you like? Is it is it the richness of the sauce? Is it the, the satiety of the pasta? What exactly is it? So we have to identify in any goal or in any resolution, what is it that you want? Let's really break it down. So you want an ideal relationship. Well, what is it that you want in that relationship? You want security, you want love, you want companionship, but you really have to identify what are the three core things for you because they will not be the same three core things for somebody else. Somebody else may very much just want, um, you know, somebody that they can have a conversation with, but maybe love isn't the most important thing to them. So you have to get really honest and really real with yourself. Once you've broken it down, you look at that list of three aspects of what you're trying to manifest, and then you find other areas in your life that that already exists. So for example, if you're looking for a relationship and you say, okay, well, I want love, chances are, unless you're living under a rock, and even probably then still, you're going to be able to find aspects of love somewhere in your life whether it's your friends or whether it's your children or whether it's your dog. And I've got a new puppy, so I'm right in the midst of what they call puppy love. My first time, you know, adulting, owning my own, um, my own dog. Um, and, and I find that there is this dynamic. There is this rapport that occurs. And I'm like, wow, this is really unconditional love that's occurring here and with children and with, you know, in all these different places outside of a relationship. But if I can focus on where that's occurring, I can close that energetic gap between what I think I don't have and what I really want. Because we all know that you can't draw something in. You can't attract it. By looking at its absence, you can't, you know, talk about how dry it is and ask for the rain. You have to live and be in that vibration of whatever it is that you're seeking. But that's not faking it until you make it. And that's the one mistake that I see so many people make in manifestation is they think, okay, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. But they're not feeling the true vibration of abundance and the vibration, the energy, the 
particles that will ebb and flow into your life on a level of quantum physics that we have just barely started to understand really only gets triggered when we begin to live it and when we begin to believe it. You can say whatever mantra you want. You can have whatever incantation written down and look at it in the mirror every single day. If you don't feel that and believe that, it, you're, it's going to take a really long time for you to get where you want to be. So I like to just refer to that as the magic of it. Because what mm -hmm. happens is that you seek that out in your life. And then one day when you're not expecting it, boom, there it is. Boom, there's that love. Boom, there's that companionship from a really unexpected source. And we can sort of open our eyes to all the different places and ways in which that's manifesting in our lives then we can already link into that vibration. I think we get really stubborn and really, you know, pigeonholed and thinking it has to come in one way. Universe is always talking to us, but never in the way that we expect. So it's interesting. And so, so let me give my interpretation of what you just said, because I think it's absolutely brilliant and they love it. And, and I haven't quite heard it, you know, in this manner. But when we think about it, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, we are beings of energy. And to understand, you know, what our soul is, uh, that's also an energy form. It's a vibration. It's one that, you know, we experience, but it's not one that we can necessarily measure or see in any shape or form. But it has a certain uh, vibration, has a certain resonance, it has a certain rhythm. And just like music, which has its vibration, has its uh, resonance, you know, that's what we are as beings. And so, in essence, as you said, is that when we are vibrating at a certain, sort of, say, wavelength, and, and look at all this technology out there about healing, about weight loss, about cardiovascular, and I just came out from the sauna that hollows all these, you know, health modalities, it's all about wavelength. It's all about, about vibration. I mean, they, these people just didn't make this up. I mean, the science behind that. So, in essence, what you're saying is, is that our physical experience that then translates into a, a meaning and awareness is actually a vibration. And so we don't necessarily have to use words in a sense to determine what that vibration needs to be. Rather, let's go remember what that vibration was with the kinds of experiences that we've had in the past. And then in that moment, you're sensing that vibration. You're being love or you're being abundance rather than telling that to yourself. Because I know for a fact that, you know, when you, and to use, you know, Tony Robbins, you know, favorite phrase, you know, he, he, he says, there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. Well, that's not true because you know that there are weeds there. And so it's just a matter of, as you said, focus on that vibration as to what it is that you want to experience, and then you're going to experience it. And the universe will conspire, you know, and that's all about the law of attraction. I mean, is, is this correct? How Absolutely. Always conspiring, always conspiring. And everything is wavelength and frequency, even down to the, you know, great physicality and anatomy of our body, our heart. People like to think about our heart. It's a really complex organ, as you know, but the heart in and of itself is a structure. What illuminates it and brings it to life is a frequency, is an energetic reception and translation and transmission from where? Right. So there's this, you know, interface, as I like to call it, that 
even within the things that we think are very static in our body and that we think we know, you know, in and out, there there is a nuance. There's a suggestion from the universe. And the beautiful thing about it is that we can have all of the best intentions. We can have all of the best laid plans in the world. And the universe is going to give us a nudge and say, well, okay, you may think that it's supposed to come in this way. It's actually going to come this way. And, you know, someone that I've worked with before his crossing a great deal, Wayne Dyer, used to say, you know, you can't become something else while focusing on the lack of it. And you, it's, it's so true. You can't become skinny by feeling that you're fat. Because guess what? Even if you lose the weight, you are going to have that feeling of being overweight. So no matter how much weight you lose, you're still living in the vibration of unhappiness and feeling overweight and feeling displeased with your appearance and the way that clothes fit, etc. So it is about existing on a different paradigm. And the minute that you can link in with that, and I'm not talking about permanently linking in with that because I think we need to allow ourselves a lot of room for forgiveness, but find that vibration and stick with that as long as you can. Remember that and then try to bring yourself back to that. You know, it's always easy to find a yellow car when you're thinking about yellow cars or when you're looking for yellow cars. So in that same way, no matter what you're looking for or trying to manifest, look for that. But but don't need it to occur in a specific way. And the universe will surprise and delight you in all of the ways in which that shows up. If you are trying to manifest more money, you can look out into a field and see an abundance of sunshine or an abundance of vegetation or flowers. And that is abundance. And that frequency that will bring the money to you is the exact same as what you are witnessing in this plethora of vegetation and flowers, we like to think that it's segregated, but emotion is the frequency of the universe. The universe doesn't hear what we say, it hears how we feel. So even if we say, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, if you feel unhappy, the universe listens to what energetic output your heart is kind of transmitting around you, and that's the vibration that gets matched in terms of law of attraction. So uh, just curious, and, and I'm going to say something first, but then want a answer to my question as to you know, how is it that the universe actually is doing this? You know, what what is the underlying reason, if you will, um, for matching that that resonance? Um, but before we go there, it's interesting because I was just about to ask you, well, what if somebody has never experienced abundance, and then and and they don't live under a rock? And so I think you just answered that question for me. Because the truth is, is that it's a matter of an understanding what it is that you want, where it's, it is also seen elsewhere, um, and 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 something as simple as um, you have abundance amount of pasta in your closet. Yes, right? so <laughs> which is sadly not true in my case, but I would like it to be. <laughs> um, and so, so interesting because you know, again, people could respond by saying. Well, if I've never experienced it, how can I experience it? And it's just a matter of being somewhat creative and, and finding out in, in what context in life you could experience this, even if it's remote, even if it's in a book or, or on TV, can totally appreciate you know, what that is. 
But here's here's my other question then, and it's kind of interesting, is because you know we talk about the law of attraction, and um, again, as uh, you know, people talk about karma, and and my appreciation of that is more from the perspective of whatever frequency you're functioning at. You know, the the universe conspires to match that frequency, and so. Um, if it's in that negative space, then your life is going to experience a lot of negativity. But from a metaphysical, do you have an explanation of why that is? Of why the universe matches our frequency yeah. and what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my understanding and my interpretation, if you look at human development, if you look at actually the development of our planet, and if we go from you know even we'll say the beginning, day one, whatever that means to you, whether that's religious or philosophical or theological, doesn't matter, scientific, we're going to put that on a timeline. Now, anyone, I think whether you're an atheist or spiritual or what have you, would admit that there has been a significant evolution of species, you know, from something as small as an amoeba or a one-celled organism to being a complex human being, although I don't necessarily think some days that human beings are the most complex beings on the planet. However, that being said, there has been evolution. So, If we take the Neolithic period, well, we weren't eating with forks and on tables and chairs and houses that have air conditioning. So where did this inspiration come from? Where does inspiration come from? Where does manifestation of the first table or chair or fork or locomotive or now the most cutting-edge medical technologies that are available, where does that come from? comes from somewhere and there is absolutely no highway from another galaxy or dimension that's bringing that to us it's coming from the ethos it's coming from thought so it's thought vibration and thought formation it is our co-creation with the universe and the reason for that is expansion is the name of the game individually and collectively the universe wants as a one-celled organism, if you want to look at it that way in, in terms of biology, it wants to expand, it wants to proliferate, as does all living, breathing things, which the universe is. So it is going to find any outlet that it can in order to expand. That is us. That is animals. That is you know, any arena that you want to look at, art, music, um, you know, culinary, what have you. And as we individually have our own experiences, good and bad, and we expand as people and in our lives, we collectively expand. And as we collectively expand, we come to a place that we've never been before in the universe on planet Earth. And so the universe wants to move us in that direction. However, part of moving us in that direction for expansion is that you know, we, we need to experience some of that contrasting and, and contractual experience that feels really terrible and horrible sometimes. But as any, you know, element in, in quantum physics, if the universe stops expanding, then it will start dying. And this is true if you break down, you know, any elemental quality in the galaxy. It has to have 
a set amount of something or be in an expansive state such as, you know, a supernova, it will reach a state where its expansion reaches a certain point and then it has expanded as much as it possibly can. Um, and inevitably there would be a collapse. So, so that same quality is applicable to everything else in the universe. So I think that it's sort of gunning for us, if that makes sense. But I also believe and have fundamentally understood in my own life that I am gunning for it too. That it's not me as an individual on scary planet Earth with all of these things getting hurled at me daily and people being mean and, you know, this person wants to take all my money for this car repair or this what have you. I just don't live my life that way. I live my life or try to in a state of co-creation. When you understand that you are co-creating all of your experiences, good, bad, indifferent, then it takes the victimhood completely out of the equation because you understand that you have all of the power. And you have all the power to understand and sort of breathe through that expansion or you can begin to contract and contract more and more and more, which is absolutely a personal choice. But I think that to answer your question, the universe wants every single one of us to succeed as much as people may often feel like it doesn't. Spiritually speaking, if we fail, the universe fails and vice versa. We are this mitochondria and we both have to survive. You know, it's interesting because uh, obviously you've, you've done a lot of studies on all of this. Um, me personally, more in the scientific realm, not so much in the metaphysical. Yes, I did what's equivalent to a, a master's course in um, integrated energy healing. Um, but I've always been of the opinion, you know, through my own evolution, as you put it, expansion came to the realization that you know, it's all about um, contributing back to source. And for me, what that signifies is that we are in here, in this world, uh, in this physical context to contribute to the greater galactic energy, if you will. And, um, and so that is our purpose. And so I, it's interesting what you then say, because then it kind of uh, relates to my simplistic view as to what's really happening and so in essence yes you're right you know for this universe this this existence um in in space if you will um is is a energetic being that requires the support of everything within it and so it's just like our body is is no different i mean when you think about it you know we have you know 70 trillion cells and all these cells are collaborating to support your physical being. And so why, why would we as, as beings be any different in a larger whole? And of course, as you say, you know, I think what does happen is through this process of, ex of expansion, things get more complex to the point that uh, disorder is inevitable and then contraction does, does happen. Um, but once again, you know, the, the energy that we're putting out, whether we're conscious of it or not, is what gets to be given to us. And so then it's really up to us to do the personal development work to 
be in alignment with that energy. Your thoughts? Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of, one of the things that I remind myself of, because we can at times, you know, especially in the midst of, of political climates and, and cultural change and, you know, uh, global changes and, and things that seem really, really atrocious going on around us is that we are every single one of us. I, I don't care if, you know, you feel as though your life has no purpose because you are unemployed or because, you know, you've done this or, or whatever you may feel down and out in your life. When we are born, each one of us in our brain has something like 100 billion neurons, which is exact amount of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Hmm. And I just don't believe in coincidence right. to the extent that we are a hiccup of creation in that way. We are a representation of the universe. And that helps me to remember my own power. And I have a girlfriend who has this really wonderful um, saying that is, you know, we are this um, meat-covered skeleton on a rock hurtling through space, fear nothing. So, <laughs> so we have to kind of break it down and get primitive for a minute and just think about even the complexities of our physicality and how that relates in terms of, you know, our quantum reality. But, but I think, you know, more, more to the point of what you were saying as far as the greater good, it doesn't matter to me whether that's a religious indoctrination or whether that's a personal philosophy or a belief. Um, there is a feedback that is always occurring. And one of the biggest ways to know how your manifestation is going is what's showing up in your life. Are you waking up and you're consistently running into the same jerks, uh, we'll keep it very generic, uh, but, but the same type of treatment of people being oppressive, being really challenging to you, and are you reacting in the same way? Because admittedly, after time, we have this precognitive commitment of, I'm going to meet someone who's going to be difficult, this person's going to try and, you know, um, have their agenda win, and all of these different compartmentalizations, but if we split the narrative a little bit, you would be amazed at what happens. Expect the absolute best positive outcome. If it doesn't happen, okay. Keep looking for that over and over and over again. And people have accused me of being the eternal optimist ad nauseum, and I'm kind of okay with that. Because it means that I'm always looking for that positive outcome. That is my expectation. And if something else happens, I understand and I trust that even if it seems negative, there's a positive outcome attached to it somehow. And it allows me to not really take anything personally. It allows me to understand that everything is always working out for me because it is. I mean, how many of us, you, for example, I mean, you're, you're kind of, you know, a boy genius um, in the medical world, but it's, but would you have ever anticipated that your life would turn out the way that it has when you were, you know, 10 years old or even 16 years old? It yep. probably looks a lot different, right? Yep, yeah, absolutely. So that expansion and that evolution is something we can't plan. Even those of us that like to plan our life down to the most minute detail, you know, the saying is that life is what happens when you're busy making plans. You have to roll with the punches and you have to have a fundamental belief. And your fundamental belief can be that things are always stacking up against you. 
And that's one way to do it. Or your fundamental belief can be that things are always working out for you. And that's one way to do it. And I can promise you that one of those paths is going to give you a happier life. And one of them isn't. Yeah. And to that point, uh, it's just as easy or, or difficult to have either one of them. So if, if you were going to expend the same amount of energy, you might as well expend it in the one that you like. Let me, let me just add, get uh, Robin to chime in for a moment because you know, last time we talked about you know, repeating scenarios and wanted to see if you wanted to add anything with that, Robin. I'm loving this conversation. I'm always listening to these shows. And, you know, it's fascinating because I hear these things all the time now that we're coming into what everyone seems to be as an awakening. And 2020 seems to be the beginning of it where this kind of subject matter, we can talk about it. And it's, I mean, I was fearful to talk about it. You know, we talked about this last week, Doc. I was fearful to talk about this in all of the places that I've gone, the things I have done and repeating the same patterns and learning from that. And that's one of the things that I do with my platform is I talk about it consistently because what's the purpose for me to keep making these lessons? Why, why am I learning these lessons? What do I do with them? I'm still here. I'm standing up. I learn these things. I keep moving forward. So that's my job is to not only live, love, learn, but it's also to teach. And I think we're coming into more of an awakening worldwide. And I don't call it a spiritual awakening anymore. I call it a human awakening because as I always believe, this is not where we normally live. We come here to learn and go back to where we normally live. Your thoughts, Holly? Absolutely. I, you know, I couldn't agree more because I think that there's an element of forgiveness that we deny ourselves pretty regularly. And I was just having this conversation with a client the other day and they were having a difficult time in making a decision. And I reminded them that when you're making a decision, even if it seems like it's a really life shattering decision, really doesn't need to be that. You choose from your highest evolutionary perspective with what you know now, because guess what? Life is going to shift the sails of your boat. And even the best laid plans are going to have some oscillations. And so what you do is you don't make it a life or death decision. You don't make it, oh, I have to figure all of this out for the next 10 years of my life. You choose from a hard space with what resonates with you now. The rest will figure itself out. Life will, I assure you, happen to you. And when it does, you can choose differently and you can adjust from there. But I think there's this enormous amount of pressure that we apply to ourselves when making decisions, when having experiences. Um, you know, and, and I think that that ultimately is what wears us down more than anything. It's not the stimuli that's occurring around us. It's this feeling as though it's final and that we have you know, up until age 21 to figure out what we're going to do with our life. And then maybe if we're lucky, we get another chance, you know, midlife, but we only get a set number of, you know, chances for recreation of who we want to be and what we want to do. Happiest people that I know and that I've met in my life and in my work are the people who have worked 10 different careers, who have been a rodeo clown and a physician and a lawyer, you know, just as many things as they can squeeze the juice out of, those are the happiest people because they never limited themselves by thinking, well, this is the structure of who I've established myself to be. And if I'm not that, then what is my identity? Well, the answer is 
a million other things. But I think, as Robin was saying, you know, we get really nervous about figuring out what those million other things are. To me, that's incredibly exciting. I am so fascinated by myself and by learning things that are, I'm sure people would describe neurotic, but also intriguing about myself is, you know, I'm, I'm learning how much I love to cultivate, um, you know, houseplants and, and the herbology aspect, which I knew I liked and I knew I kind of survived it in school, but this is something I'm really enjoying and really sort of leaning into. And then six months from now, you know what? I'm really going to be into something else or I'm, or I'm going to expand onto that. But I'm one of those people who has always allowed myself the potentiality of being somebody else from day to day to day. And I think if people, if people were more forgiving in that finality of, this is who I have to be. And I think ultimately it begins because we allow the people around us to expect one version of ourselves, And we think, well, this is who so-and-so is anticipating me to be. And I must always meet that instead of allowing ourselves the ability or the opportunity to get to know, you know, who is Bart the baker, who is Bart the, you know, whatever. But, but there's such a wellspring of who we are and the complexities of who we are as humans. And that's a huge part of the awakening is this forgiveness and this, you know, um, just variance of who we all are as complex beings and individuals. I see many, many, many clients that have come out of being very religious and, you know, being in the Catholic church or what have you. And now they're, they're really questioning things and they, they're coming into their spirituality. And, and, you know, some of them are adopting Buddhist beliefs or Hindu beliefs, or some of them, you know, are taking a shamanic path and some of them are still staying, you know, connected to the church, but want to augment their experience. And I think that that is the biggest gift that we can all focus on and manifest and bring to ourselves in 2020 is allow the augmentation of who you are to occur because the universe is there with 10 or 20 different outfits and identities for us to try on. Don't shortchange yourself the opportunity to do that. Wow. What well said. Thank you for that. And, and to summarize actually is that, you know, people who have more choices are actually happier people. And so the question is, you know, what allows you to have more choice? And there's a lot of different things that can, that, that can offer that. I think one of the challenges that uh, people have in general, myself included, and this was an experience I had with my own father, was at one point, I'm going to leave out all the details, but uh, he, was, he was an engineer, a chemical engineer, and, and he wanted to save some money, although he could easily afford it, uh, to have his lawnmower repaired. And but I had, but he was no good at that kind of engineering, mechanical engineering. But he was an engineer, so he figured, well, I should be able to do that. So, of course, I had to help him, and I was a 16 year old kid. And you know how 16 year old teenagers are, and, and I was in a happy, unhappy place in my life. Talk about that for a while. And so, I was very unmotivated to help him. He knew that he got pissed off and basically said something that really shattered my life in that moment. And that was that, well, if you can't help me, you can't be my son. Now, tell that to a teenager and, you know, the whole, you know, bottom of your life falls out. What I understood later on, what he was actually saying, and I think this is the problem that so many of us face, is that 
I knew that he was demonstrating the only way that he knew how to love me. And in his world, that it was his job to make sure that I grew up like him. And that would then um, fulfill the fact that he loved me so much that if I was like him, then he's done his job. So a very limited perspective. And I think many people have that perspective and are victims of those kinds of mis misconceptions in life. And so unless you fit in, like you were saying, in this specific box, then you're worthless. And the biggest fear that we have is that we're not loved and or that we're rejected. And, and it's crazy. And, and most people still have that. I still have that at times. You know, and so if, if we don't fit in, and that's why, you know, too often people are, are worried about, you know, going off on tangents and doing this and doing that. You know, the truth is, what I get from what you're saying, too, is it's all about living in this moment. And so if cultivating plants, if those moments only expand over six months and then you go into something else, great, awesome. But it's that, that joy, that happiness, that, that expansion that you get in that area, and maybe you'll never go back to it again. But I think people connect the idea of um, specific kinds of mastery with self-worth. Um, but let me qualify that. Um, for us to have an impact on life, we do have to learn mastery. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that. But, you know, sort of the... Um, I think the beginning and the ending point of that is ultimately self-mastery. And so from self-mastery, all other things can ebb and flow. But, but I would absolutely agree. And clearly, you know, um, what your father said to you in that moment of his own confusion is something that you remember very clearly even to this day. Um, but, but it's interesting because I think that they're all, I would say almost every single human being has had one of those moments mm -hmm. that, you know, we sort of um, encapsulate in our minds and we continue to take with us or replay and it has either a really large effect or, you know, a very small scale effect. Either way, um, I think we ingrain that into part of our identity, and we tend to think that our identity and our mastery of life, which sort of equates to survival instead of expansion, you know, it's like we're surviving life, um, that I think we put little, you know, arrows in our quiver, um, which is a really wonderful way of growing and is a really wonderful way of enriching our lives and the lives of others on this earth. However, I think the it can be problematic because we are often afraid to take arrows out of that quiver and remove pieces of our old identity and say, well, yeah, right. I was for a while this, but I'm no longer this. And this was a really meaningful and important part of my life, but it really isn't any longer because even when we reach that level of mastery in whatever capacity that is, what waits for us there is satisfaction, for sure, but then a feeling of what's next. What's the next level of expansion? And that is because even when we feel like we've reached the tippity top of something, our soul continues to want to expand. The universe continues to want to expand. And so, you know, it's there's always something to want. And I'll never forget, you know, we heard so often growing up is, you know, you're never satisfied. And I really used to take mm -hmm. that to heart and think, gosh, why can't I ever be satisfied? Why am I always 
But then I recognized it. It wasn't that I wasn't satisfied. I'm an incredibly grateful person. Um, but it was that I did always want more. And it wasn't necessarily more, you know, quantitative-wise. It was more expansion. Yeah. But people in my life around me that were in a survival mode and their, that their identity had been very static. Okay, well, now you've put in your tenure at this career. You keep that job and you get that pension, you know. Um and that's what you do. You kind of hunker down and you cement yourself in that. Thank God she's got a good job. She's, you know, taking care of as opposed to having experience and as opposed to really expanding and growing. And so for the longest time, I really wrestled with that in my life, specifically in my, you know, uh, mid to late twenties. Like, why is it that, uh, why can't you be settled? Olivia? Why can't you just be happy with what is? And I guess this is what people do. And then I really started to reflect and, and recognize that because this is not the way that we're meant to live. We are meant to say, I'm so grateful for this. But what about this over here? What about this over here? It's not a negative thing so long as you are really feeling that gratitude for what you have. Life is not meant to be static. It's not meant to be finite. It's meant to be this, you know, evolution and this expansion of thinking that we've mastered something and then coming back around to things that we don't know. And that's the, that's the sweet spot of it. But it's sort of a crazy thing to think about how how growing up we we condition ourselves to beliefs of thinking that you know well yes as your dad said why well, I, I need to learn how to fix this because then I can't be my dad's son and, and for me it was okay well I need to just be happy with the thing that I want which is by the way not really what I want because I feel like there's something better and kind of put up and shut up so it's it's a really crazy thing to think about and it's something that I have certainly learned self-acceptance on. And as soon as I did, it was like this overload of things that made me so happy to be present, which was the thing that I had struggled right. with to begin with. Right. It's funny you say that because I've had the same criticism in the past, that you're never satisfied. And yes, you're right. It, it's, it's always looking for the possibility that it, that space where things can expand. I mean, let's face it, this universe is expanding. You know that. And so as smaller microcosms of the universe, we're expanding as well. At least we're supposed to. I mean, once again, I mean, you know, we're homo sapiens. Sapiens being, you know, people of wisdom. And wisdom only comes from asking questions. I mean, that's what our brain consistently does. You know, what do you focus on? What does this mean? What am I going to do? So we're constantly, you know, creating meaning of things around us. And that's where we get, you know, tied up in a knot when the meanings are not, you know, um, in our favor, I guess, in, in our minds. But when they are favorable for us, um, then we find ecstasy, abundance, and happiness. And, and so why not? And so you do have the choice. When I think it was uh, Viktor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, who said, you know, the last freedom is the freedom to choose our attitude to any given situation. And the truth is, is that it's not a given situation that, that is the problem. It's always the meaning that we give that. And so that falls in line with everything that you're saying as well, is that we just have to be inspired and intelligent in our choices and then make that connection energetically. And I, and I like to share with people how they can actually experience this right away. Because the truth is, is that when we are around other people, we will actually match their energy, even if we see it on TV. 
So when people have certain kinds of emotions, doesn't matter what emotion is, it's it's emotion of sadness, excitement, anger, you know, upsetness, or whatever that is, we will take on some of that energy. And so people listening to this show, if you want to begin to experience what that vibration is, begin to notice the kinds of feelings and the vibrations that you're having when you're around other people, or in fact, when you're even watching TV, uh, because you can then make that connection. And, um, and it's also a warning for us. So it's, a, it's not only a, it's a warning and an explanation for how we get to feel moment to moment to moment. The, the importance of that, though, is that we have to begin to learn to own our own emotions. And so those people who watch TV a lot, they get very depressed. The reason being is, you know, they're not really connecting, you know, authentically with those emotions. They're just seeing somebody else having the emotions that they want. But just as a, as a point of reference, to help us connect with what Olivia was talking about earlier on as to experiencing abundance, experiencing love, connecting with that energy, notice how you actually connect with others. Your thoughts on that? I think that is a really uh, wonderfully articulated way of pointing them in the right direction. And, you know, I think it's so important to, if we're in the own light of, if we're in our own line of truth is watch who your energy expands and contracts around you know if you if I say gosh I have some great news I just did this this and this and this and this as we were talking briefly before we went on air and we were sharing a little bit about things that are going on in our lives and you know it's really exciting stuff but if someone's on the other line and they go oh you know, that's contracting and that does have an effect on you. And so you learn to either A, not share, which would be the wisest thing, mm -hmm. but all you learn to temper your own excitement, your own elation, because you're not getting the reciprocity from somebody else that you feel that you should. So you have to watch who your energy expects expands and contracts around and also watch who do you feel drained around because those are energetic vampires yes. those are people who are really not even in the vicinity of working on their own identity or they're just maybe they're just not there yet no judgment but they will sort of hook into energetically whatever you've got going on and it can be really really draining mm -hmm. um for me i find that people that as you said watch the news a great deal or want to watch um you know a lot of like crime um, movies or documentaries i just i don't introduce that into my space you know um just because it, it's a personal preference for the same reason that i don't eat certain foods or you know have unhealthy habits is because it is a toxic mm -hmm. element that i would be willingly introducing into my life and it's the same with people and it's the same with you know choosing organic or gmo it's all of that what toxic elements are you introducing into your life because even though this person is your friend and you feel like you are obligated to connect them and to listen to them go on you know at length about their negative situation 
you it is the same as taking a pill or a drug that's going to toxically and negatively affect you. It's the exact same. Actually, biochemical response to your brain and ergo your body where it lowers your immune system, your cortisol levels, you know, engage and go. All of the same physiological effects. Our brain does not right. know the difference. No, right. So really detoxing your life is mm -hmm. as important as detoxing our diets and our bodies, which is what mm -hmm. all of us are doing this time of year. Yeah, I'm going to let uh, Robin chime in in a second, but I want to share two things. Uh, Jim Rohn said, you're the summation of the five people you hang around the most with, in abundance and happiness and wealth. And then Buddha said something very interesting. He said, you know, when you're on a journey, it's always good to have a companion. But if the companion is a sour person, then you better walk on your own. Robin. Mm -hmm. You said something that just triggered right with me, Dr. Bart, the whole thing about the five people you hang around or what makes you. I made it a practice four years ago after I got divorced to hang around some people that everybody was, thought they were the greatest. So I thought that would better my life. But over the past couple of years, I realized, you know, like she's saying, it's a very toxic thing when you're around people that are toxic. You take on their negativity and it's, I really do believe there is something in that saying, misery loves company, and they like to project a lot of things onto you when they see you doing successful things. Instead of cheering for you, they drain you. And I made it a point going into the latter part of 2019 to distance myself from a particular group of people, and it was the best move I ever made. And I've come up with the whole saying that, hey, you can love people from afar. You don't have to have them in your life on a daily basis, especially if they drain your yep. energy. And yep. by the end of the year, I have been manifesting so many positive things in my life, and it feels so good not to be around that kind of negative pull. And we don't realize it that, you know, a lot of times it comes from family members too. And we have to be able to say no. We don't have to give an excuse or a reason why. We just have to say no. We're not going to tolerate it. Olivia? You know, I, I think that we could do an entire show on the family member time. Right. Here. <laughs> but but I agree, you know, and I think for me, um, it's, it's interesting because I always go back to this is that, you know, I think it was like uh, Weight Watchers had this really effective campaign probably 15 to 20 years ago. And I remember the marketing brilliance behind it, that they encouraged their participants every time they would reach for a bit of food to imagine that that bit of food was five pound cinder block tying them down that that cupcake was 10 pounds cinder block tying them down. it was a really phenomenal marketing concept that worked really really well and helped a lot of people lose weight and i always refer back to that because if you are as intentional as you are about what you put in your coffee or what you put on your plate as you are with the people and the scenarios and the situations in your life chances are you would be setting a lot of those people back down and scenarios back down. But I think that we as humans develop this loyalty to um, sort of buoy other people who we feel may not be doing as well. And we develop all sorts of sort of narratives of, of why it's okay for people to rob us of our energy. Now, that being said, of course, not everybody's going to be on their best behavior every single day, but if there's a consistent 
pattern of people that you are associating with or dealing with that are chronically negative or chronically toxic or chronically, you know, um, verbally abusive, that, and you feel, you physically feel your energy diminishing around them, chances are those are the people that maybe you need to keep at arm's length. And guess yeah. what? The universe will absolutely backfill their presence with someone that is far more phenomenal and better suited to where your energy is. The reason it feels so awful to be around them is because you have expanded here and they're back here and you're feeling that entire delta. Mm -hmm. Your soul is like, no, we've done this before. Do you remember? We've already worked with these issues. And it's sort of like taking a step forward and being on a rubber band that pulls you backwards. Mm -hmm. And that's why we feel this visceral discord. So true, choose your friendships wisely. And I, I think that's that's the message. And choose the people that you want to be around very wisely. And you know, one one point of reference I think is relevant is that complaining is actually the social currency these days because it's safer to complain, it's safer to criticize, and that's actually how people like to connect more. I mean, again, as as beings, we're kind of wired for survival, kind of wired to see what's wrong. And it's safer to find out what's wrong because then people will then tend to agree, more than likely agree with you versus when you find something that's absolutely wonderful. And then you get exactly what Olivia was saying is that that contraction. So that energy that you want to experience is just sucked out of you because the other people can't get in alignment with you. So with that note, we have one minute left and I wanted to give uh, Olivia um, final thoughts. Wow. Well, this has always been, you know, such a, a provocative discussion for me. And actually, I feel elevated when we talk. So that's how I know that, you know, that, that this is good company for me. And Robin, thank you so much for your insights. And again, can't wait, can't wait to read your book. Um, you know, for me and for any of you out there listening, I just want to remind you of a few simple things is that you can manifest anything that you want, literally anything that you can think of, that thought, that inspiration. You are thinking it because it is possible. And I know that that sounds really cliche, but keep that in mind. You don't have to figure out the how. You just have to figure out the why. What's the inspiration? Whether that's getting fit, losing weight, getting healthier, whatever. And then secondarily, I just want to remind everyone, as Bart was saying, that sometimes the thing that may be blocking our manifestation is the fact that we have a person or situation or something that is taking up the space in our life that needs to be removed mm -hmm. so that what the universe really thinks is better for us can come in. Um, you know, and how many times have I heard, you know, clients of mine come up and they say, oh my gosh, I lost my job or I lost this relationship. And I'm like, good, something to want, yeah. something to create, you know? Yeah. Remember that no matter where you are right now, nothing leaves our lives unless something better for you is coming in. Awesome. And I feel like that is how I want to approach 2020. That's awesome. And, um, and Robin, thank you so much as well. Olivia, thank you. And as I like to tell people, and they kind of look at me cross-eyed when I tell them, you know what, I'm just getting started. And, you know, yeah. I've been around for a long time, and I just feel I'm just getting started. I got another 40 years ahead of me. I'm going to do some wonderful things. And as I've put it in the past, you know, we all talk about awakening. 20 years ago, I said something different, but the same thing is that we all need to go undergo this individual revolution. 
and what that meant for me then is we need to wake up and that's what needs to happen and hopefully that decade uh this decade will have that in in full motion coming up so once again olivia thank you robin thank you i'm dr bart rademacher prescription for your transformation real people real conversations and real success thank you so much Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Join Dr. Bart Rademacher live right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com or on demand 24-7.